2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 6. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 6. I'll read to you from the King James Version of the Holy Bible. It may read differently than some version that you have, but follow along with me as closely as you can. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 6 reads, The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. I won't tag this text as we talk for a few minutes from the subject of a good picture of the pastor. Good picture of the pastor. God bless you. You may be seated. A good picture of the pastor. Uh, I'm grateful to God for a writer like the Apostle Paul who has intelligently and spiritually uh, helped us to navigate through some of the more difficult relationships that we may have or experience in church. Let me share with you that one of the most tedious, one of the most uh, intimate, difficult relationships that we have in church is between the pastor and the people and between the pulpit and the pew. It is a relationship that is sometimes difficult to understand while yet important, while yet integral. It is a relationship that has not yet even today been fully taken advantage of. If you knew as a people what you have in a pastor, we would not mismanage, misappropriate, nor would we misuse that relationship. It's difficult for some people to find the medium where the pastor belongs. He is not, my brothers and sisters, a G-O-D for you to worship, nor is he a D-O-G for you to despise. He fits right there in the middle where he is to be respected by those with whom he serves. People miss the fact that the, the pastor in that difficult and tedious relationship, he is not a celebrity. He is a servant. He is a shepherd. And one of the tests that you can constantly run to see if your pastor is indeed a shepherd, you can always run the smell test because shepherds smell like sheep. Once you determine that he is a servant of God, you treat him in the manner that servants who have served well should be treated, and they are not to be misused, despised, or worshipped, but you respect them for the work that they put forth. And once they put forth that appropriate work, then you learn to appreciate them because they have committed themselves to the work of serving God's people. 
Uh, the Apostle Paul does something here in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He gives us some illustrations. I don't know if the people whom Paul was writing and communicating to had certain learning disabilities, but this was a, a common practice of his that Paul would do this on a regular basis. He would stop basically using words and just start painting pictures. You know, when people have learning disabilities, you cannot always get the point over to them by using certain vocabulary words because no matter how you talk, they just won't get it. But God knows that if you show them a picture, they probably can't spell cat, but they know a cat when they see one. And every now and then, that's the part that I love about the pastor of the Vision Church, Pearland, that every now and then, not that you have learning disabilities, but he just mentioned earlier about how transparent he is. Once he shows you, then you understand, oh, that's what he meant. And he doesn't have to waste time saying it all over again. Paint me the picture. I'll know what you're talking about. Paul uses this illustration. He uses several illustrations in 2 Timothy chapter number 2. He uses several illustrations to pinpoint the relationship between the pastor and the people because he wants the people to know that the pastor is an extremely important part of the relationship between the people and God. You ought to thank God that you have a pastor who stands between you and God. And he shows them, my brothers and sisters, how the pastor should appear. He shows them how he should appeal to them. He shows them how he should be approached. But then finally he shows them how he should be appreciated. He, he is, please note this, he is worthy of appreciation. That you should constantly remind yourself that I appreciate the relationship that my pastor has with God. And I thank God for the relationship that I have with my pastor. And as long as the three of us are connected, I can't help but live a blessed life. Uh, he gives this picture, my brothers and sisters, in verse number six. I, I'm, I'm affectionate to the wording that he used. He says, the husband man. Now, now it's, it's an appropriate term for a farmer, but I'm grateful to God he used the term husband man. It's, it's three words knitted together in English, three English words knitted together, house, band, and man. He basically gives the description that this is the man banding the house together. And if you needed a place to give God glory, that's a good spot right there. Thank God that you have a man that's banding the house together. Can you imagine what the house would be if the man was not serving in the capacity to keep it banding? 
banded together. How does he keep it banded together? I'm glad you asked. The text says that he labors. He digs deep. He, he sweats hard. He, he perspires profusely just to make sure that things are delivered to keep this house banded. And I'm grateful today that every now and then uh, we run into uh, a husband man uh, that's serving God that recognizes it's not about uh, the cars we drive uh, or the suits we wear or the houses we live in or the money that we collect. Every now and then uh, it all boils down to uh, what are you doing uh, to keep this house banded together? And, 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 and here's going to be some parts in your testimony. It's going to be some parts on the journey in your testimony. That in order to keep the house banded together. This is my shout for today. That in order to keep the house banded together. Sometimes you can't buy nothing. You can't build nothing. We can't go get nothing brand new. We just got to hold on to what we already have. Because all we can do is keep the house Banded together. I believe some people in here can testify. I ain't brought a new nothing. I ain't went shopping in a while. But I got to give God glory. I'm holding on to what I already have. God, God, God shows us here that the husband man is doing his absolute best. I like this term that he uses for laboreth. It's one of the strongest words in the Greek language that's used to identify one who is putting forth maximum effort. He, he is not just working, he is working hard. He, he's not just working, he's working to the point of exhaustion. He's working until the point the way he's just completely worn out at the end of the, watch this, and when you get to that point, you ought to give God glory that even though as every day goes by, he works himself to the point of exhaustion, he goes back before God for re-innovation. He says, Lord, I need you to re-energize me. I need you to recharge me. I need you to renew me. And God gives him just enough energy to show up and work to the same point again the next day. Uh, and that type of effort, my brothers and sisters, deserves appreciation. The husband man, he, he labors. Now, listen at how Paul shows us that this husband man should be appreciated. He says, you appreciate him, you appeal to him, you respect him, you honor him by making sure that when we partake in fruit, he is first. Make sure that he is, here it is, make sure that him getting rewarded is top priority. If he is not the top priority when it comes to receiving fruit, the Bible will back me up on this, then the entire operation of fruit distribution is in violation. Listen at what he says. He didn't say the husband man that labor it could be. 
He didn't say the husband man that laboreth may be. Listen at it. The husband man that labors must be. It means that it is a mandate. It means that it is not just a suggestion. It's an order. It's a directive. It, it is not up for debate or discussion. It is the way it has to be. It's printed in the handbook and anything outside of handbook operation is a violation. It is, uh, yeah, let me put it in your employment terms. It is grounds for termination. Because if you violate the order and the operation that God says this must operate in, you are operating outside of the validation of God. And anything that is not God validated must be evicted out of the church. Uh, and, and God, God shows us this picture. Just so, you know, in case we didn't understand, it's not written, it's printed in a picture. It's, it's, it's plain enough for us to see and understand when you find your husband man laboring, make sure he's first. Now, I want to close. <laughs> I want to close, but there is some serious material at the back of the text. It, he says he must be first partaker, which indicates that there will be other partakers. There will be other participants. There will be others who are drawing from the benefits of this operation, but they better not be first. They better not be first. Because the first one is the one who has expended his energy making sure the house is banded together. Uh, if you'll allow me to get extremely direct, uh, I've heard some churches in operation say that we cannot afford to provide for our pastor. But according to this text, if you want to make next week, you can afford not to. Everything, watch this, everything else becomes affordable when you take care of him first. Everything else becomes possible. Everything else becomes doable. Everything else becomes clear and we are able to get it done once we take care of the husband man first. He says it's basically out of operation. It's, it's out of the code and validation of God for there to be any other partaker before the husband man. The farmer, he says, who has sown the seed. The farmer who has planted and cultivated. The farmer who has made sure that the seed turned into a tree. He should be the first one 
that partakes in the fruit. Uh, and in closing, I want you to know that there is no shame, there is no fear, there is no reluctance, there is no drawback in you being okay with receiving a fruit that wasn't first. I'm done when I tell you this because every fruit that God blesses us with, every fruit has more seed in it. And if you do right with the seed, God will give you more fruit. He has promised. That's my shout and I'm done. He has promised that keep giving seed to the sower. As long as you are sowing, God will keep you with seed. And the reason why he's able to keep you with seed is because the more you sow, he will multiply the fruit. And if he keeps multiplying the fruit, you ought to thank God for the farmer who keeps showing up to keep sowing. He keeps laboring day after day, digging deep day after day, doling out seed after seed day after day, making sure that he delivers fruit. So by the time the fruit show up and you get more seed, you ought to thank God that the seed is going to produce more fruit. Not only does God give seed to the sower. You ought to thank God that your husband man has at least these three things when he has produced fruit. Number one, he has that seed. Thank God for the seed. But then every person that God gives seed to, he blesses with soil. You put seed in soil. And now here is God. After he has placed seed in soil, the only thing between the fruit and its partakers is the season that the fruit blooms. Here's God. You need to place shout. Let's let's go home together on this one. Here's, here's, here's my place. That God has given us seed. According to the text in Luke, the seed is the word of God. And the soil is your heart. And every time you gather, you get seed sown into your soil. The only thing we're waiting on is your season. Now, here's what I love about God. We don't know when our season is. You, 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 it's, it's, it's not, that's not your business when your season is. That's up to God. But here's what I wanted to see if we could get a shout in today on. If you keep showing up and getting seed sown into your soil, since you don't know when your season is, who's to say it ain't today? This might be your season and you don't even recognize it because God will keep allowing you to show up week after week. And one day you just might walk right into your season. And because he does that, he gives seed to the sower. 
and he allows that seed to go in to, to the soil that's planted among us. He gives us seed and soil and allows us to make it to our season. Y'all need a good shout? Need a good shout? We can go home. God won't let you die before your season show up. Before you go, your season is coming through. And because God is faithful, we should appreciate the husbandman that he gave to us by making sure that the husbandman is the first partaker of the fruit. I want to sit down. I want to sit down. But I got to ask you this. Did not the word of God validate to us he comes first? Everything else flows behind after he has been a partaker. If he has not partaken, we do nothing else ministerially until after the husband man has been a partaker. It becomes doable when we do it in order. So my last request to you, as you get ready to propel into a great appreciation season for your husband, man, make sure he's first. Everything else is doable after he goes first.